Hey guys, this is the New Heights Church Podcast, and we just want to welcome you and thank you for joining us today. We hope this message inspires and encourages you. Here at New Heights, we exist to love people and point them to Christ. Enjoy today's service. Amen. God bless you. Listen, if you're watching online, I just want to say thank you for doing that. Many people watch our services live as well as the replay throughout the week, but I do want to extend an invitation. If you're ever in College Station, Texas, come out to a New Heights Church service live. I promise you, me and everybody here will make you feel right at home in Jesus' name. Open your Bible to John chapter number three. One capitulo nombre tres. That's not bad for a gringo. Come on, somebody. John chapter three. John chapter number three. I want to talk this morning briefly, but we, the concept of following Christ can get missed. But he actually has a, a route or a plan or a way for your life. Can you say amen to that? When we get born again, literally we are to be converted. Everybody say converted. There's a lot that can go into that, and we only have about four hours that I'm going to preach this morning, but I want to make sure we have a clear understanding that when you become a Christian, your life, your lifestyle, your activities, maybe not all of them, but a significant portion of them should change. You are to be converted. God saves you exactly how you are. But he has zero intentions of leaving you that way. In the Old Testament, the the Israelites were held captive for almost 400 years by the Egyptians. And the Bible says that God set them free in one night. The Bible says that uh, he instructed the Israelites to take a spotless lamb and to sacrifice it and to take its blood and to smear it on the doorpost. And that night, what would happen is the angel of death or the death angel would come to collect effectively what was owed. You say, you say, well, what do you mean what was owed? The scripture makes it very clear that everybody has messed up, everybody has sinned, and the wages of sin is death. So what is owed for the price of your sin is death. So the Bible says that God instructed Moses to tell the people to do this. They took that spotless lamb, sacrificed it, took some branches, and they they smeared the blood of that spotless lamb over the doorpost. And then that night, the Bible says, when the angel of death came to collect on exactly what was owed, the Bible says, when the angel looked down and saw the blood of the lamb on the doorpost of the house that he would pass over that entire house. I don't know if you heard what I just said there, but somebody just got free of worrying about your children. You and your whole house will be saved, the Bible says. They'll have to make the decision. They'll have to come to terms on their own, but God's not going to not answer your prayer. If your children are wayward, your children are just working their way back to Jesus. Come on, somebody. That's the way of it. It's the way it's always been. He said, He said, uh, when he saw the blood of the lamb on that doorpost, now the beauty of it is it was on the doorpost and not the door. 
The reason it was on the doorpost is because Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And then in another text, he literally says, I am the door. He said, nobody gets to the father except by or through me. So Jesus did not need, God did not need us to be the doorway to heaven. But the Bible says uh, also, and I believe John chapter 12, it says, if I will be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Now, a doorpost does one thing very well. It lifts up a door. Do you hear what I'm saying? So what God needs is a blood-stained doorpost to lift up the man, the door, Christ Jesus, so that people can actually walk through Christ Jesus into the holiest of holies, into the place where God is, to spend all of eternity. But the angel flies over, looks down, sees the blood of the lamb, and he did not pass over that house because they didn't do anything wrong. He passed over over that house because he saw the blood. Well, the blood meant that the price had been paid. In other words, death had already visited this home. This is why the angel was able to pass over, not because God ignored Israelite sin and he decided he wasn't going to ignore the Egyptian sin. When, when, When it came time, he looked and the debt that was owed was already paid. Death had to come to every household, but the blood of the lamb indicated that death had already visited that household. So the Bible says that the next day they come out and I don't know about your house, but for me to get out of my house, I don't jump out of windows. I walk through the door. Come on, somebody. So now they go to sleep underneath the blood of the lamb. Death passes over their home. And the first thing, because his mercies are new every morning, they walk right through the door. Christ Jesus on the way. Now they get out and everybody's crying and every, there's, there's trouble everywhere and there's fraud. Everybody's weeping. And I don't know about you, but, but, but anytime there's bad news, there's good news somewhere. So they're sitting there and say, why is everybody crying? It was a pretty good night. Slept like a baby. Praise the Lord. They said, well, you don't understand. Death visited every household. And they said, well, it didn't visit my house. In other words, the whole world can go to hell in a handbasket, but you and your house are going to be safe right in the middle of all of it. So the Bible says that they walked out through the, 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 the bloodstained uh, doorpost right through the door. And all of a sudden God says, now, listen, you've been here. You've been doing what, what, what the Egyptians told you to do. Now I want you to follow me. And in a moment, in an instant, God rescued them from their captivity. But it was some 40 years later that they actually entered into the promised land. Because God will save you exactly how you are. But if you're going to walk the life and live the life that he promised, somebody say promised. Promised. If you're going to walk and live the life that he promised... It's going to require some adjustment in your life. It's going to require you to change some things. Come on. If you were raised in a racist household, you can't be a racist anymore. There's no such thing as a racist Christian. That's called a liar. Racism and Jesus don't mix. He constantly went to those who everybody else was considering an outcast or considering outside of the group. Maybe you were raised in a household that that just 
didn't like church in general and said, well, maybe, maybe you've said something like this. There's nothing but hypocrites in church. I don't know why anybody wants to go there. Well, Cletus, there's hypocrites in Walmart too, but you still shop there. Nobody's saying we haven't done anything wrong. We're saying Jesus didn't do anything wrong. We're saying we love him. We're saying he loves us. But, but the minute that you become a Christian, that is free. That is a, that is a free gift. But to walk out the promised life, it requires conversion. Everybody say conversion. Conversion means you, you are different than you used to be on purpose. That means everything begins to shift. Somebody say shift. John chapter number three, verse one. John chapter three, verse one. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus who was a ruler of the synagogue, ruler of the Jews. And the Bible says, the same came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God because no man can do the miracles that you do except God is with him. The Bible says he came to Jesus by night. Lots of people come to Jesus in the darkest moment. You don't have to. But a lot of people come to Jesus in the darkest moment of their life. Don't ever disparage somebody's uh, commitment to Christ because it seems like they only came to God when things got rough. All through the Bible, that's when people run to God. When things get hard, that is your perfect opportunity to run to God. Sometimes they're hard because of some stuff that you did. We get quiet in here when you say that kind of stuff, Jake. Everybody's like, hey, never mind. <laughs> sometimes it's something you didn't do. Sometimes, sometimes it's, it's challenges that you refuse to address. Sometimes it's the enemy himself attacking you. Sometimes it rains on the just and the unjust alike. It's just the way that it is. Sometimes that, that we live in a, in a realm where sin is and, and it's, it's not... Uh, uh, what God originally intended for planet earth to be like. So we have these challenges that we go through. But a lot of times you're going to find Jesus in the midnight hour of your situation. And I want you to know he's faithful to be there even then. Nicodemus came to him by night. Now we can derive that he came to him by night for a lot of reasons. He came to him by night because he didn't want everybody knowing he was coming to him. He probably had a significant reputation amongst the Jews. Most of the Jews, at least the ones that we have history of, they were very against Jesus because religion had so set in that love was on the back burner. Love wasn't the standard. It was, it was when you act like this, God loves you. That's not true. God loves everybody the same. God loves people that don't love him as much as he loves you. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He grants the opportunity for us to get in right standing with him, but that doesn't mean he stops loving you when you mess up. Exactly the contrary. So the Bible says Nicodemus comes to him at night, and he says, he says to him, he said, I know that God is with you, and Jesus answered him. Now, I like this because it doesn't say that he asked a question. But it does say Jesus answered him. Have you ever had God answer a question you didn't ask? 
It happens to me more than, more than, more than I would prefer because I always feel like, well, I guess I should have been asking that since that's what he answered. You ever had him just answer a completely different question? You didn't even ask it. It's a shift whenever you start hearing the voice of God. And this man, Nicodemus, we're watching. It's beautiful. We're actually watching his conversion. So he's seeing these things happen. Miracles, signs, and wonders. Does that help us get an understanding of why miracles, signs, and wonders are so important now? Because people will see miracles, signs, and wonders and go, okay, look. I know something's going on over there. Maybe that's how you got into Jesus at this level. Maybe that's how you came to New Heights Church. You didn't understand everything, but you just heard something was happening. Something, something was happening there. And you just, you, one day you got brave enough to come and see what was really happening. You find out we're not juggling snakes. Come on, somebody. <laughs> we're not throwing holy water on people. At least not on Sundays. Come on, somebody. He said, I can see that God is with you. I, I, I get it. And Jesus, the Bible said, answered him and said unto him, he said, verily, verily. In other words, I'm telling you the truth right now, Nicodemus. Except a man be born again, he cannot. Doesn't say, doesn't say he, 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 he probably won't. It says he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto him, how can a man be born when he is old? How, how can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered to him and said unto him, except a man be born of water and a spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. He said, he said, you have to be born again. Somebody say born again. See, when you're born again, it's a new life. It's a fresh start. But the Bible says if you're not born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. This ought to do a lot of things for all of us. But one of the first things it ought to do is it ought to help you forgive people that are far from God. The Bible, that's why Jesus kept saying, he, he who has ears to hear and eyes to see. The one, the one who has ears to hear. Because before you're born again, you can't even hear what God is actually saying. Before you're born again, you can't see what God is doing. You can't, you can't even, do you remember uh, before you served Jesus and you thought all Christians were wackos? That's because you were not born again. You could not understand the kingdom of heaven. But when you get born again, now you can actually see that the kingdom of heaven is a kaleidoscope of races, a kaleidoscope of ages, a kaleidoscope of economic situations, a kaleidoscope of backgrounds. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is every person that lifts up the name of Jesus. That's the kingdom, but you can't even see it until you get born again. God can't work with that old version of you. He's got to start over. Have you ever had a, a I've, I've had a lot of different types of equipment in my life, machinery and all that kind of stuff. And I'm, I'm probably one of the worst at just fixing stuff. I'll fix it till it, just till, till the, the, the new parts are lit. There's more new parts on the thing than there are original parts on the thing. Because I just, I, well, we'll just fix it. It's no problem. I remember a, a friend of mine, we had a, uh, um, he had a, it was like a 1970 
175 Enduro Yamaha dirt bike. And, and uh, we would work on it from time to time. And he brought it to my house. Said, Man, see if we can get this thing running. So we got that thing running. The only problem was this motorcycle had a demon. <laughs> you would be driving this thing. And, and anybody who knows motors is going to make a lot of sense. Anybody who doesn't, just, I don't know, daydream for a minute. But in between the carburetor and the block, there is a rubber boot. Three people are like, yeah, dude, I'll tell you what, boy. It had a hole in it, okay? And every now and then, it would start sucking air through that hole. Well, on an older model machine like that, the only thing that thing needed to run was air and fuel. So you couldn't stop it. So I'd be doing what I was supposed to do, 14, 15 years old. I was showing off. And all of a sudden, that thing would just take off on me. And I don't, I don't know why. But when, when motorcycles take off and you can't stop them, the, the, the quickest thing that everybody does is they just take their feet off of the pegs and you're just like, ah! And it was awesome. It was, it was fun. I, I enjoyed it. But, but, but something would break on that thing all the time. And I probably spent, I don't know, $1,500, $2,500 fixing that thing over the next 10 years. I took it to Houston with me. When I got married, I was like, baby, guess what? like what i said you got yourself a dowry when you married me woman <laughs> well what do we have we got a 1971 75 85 percent new park yamaha enduro dirt bike baby only problem is it's got a demon <laughs> i'd take that thing out ring, 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 ride that thing around but but i'm the worst at just taking old things and putting new parts on them But when God decided to change your life, he said, I can't, I can't work with what you've got, but I'll let you start over fresh. Come on, give God a hand of praise. If you're happy to be born again, the scripture says you got to be born of water and of spirit. Then he said this verse six, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that's this born of spirit is spirit. Let me just make this real clear because I think it's, it's easy to get mixed up. If you're from Italy, you probably speak a certain language. What language would that be? If you're from Mexico, you probably speak a certain language. What language would that be? If you're from Texas, you probably speak a certain language. What language? <laughs> Nobody knows what we speak. But here's the deal. If you're from Italy, you speak Italian because you are Italian. Sinners do something very well that actually identifies the fact that they are sinners. They sin. And when somebody is not born again, and we're looking at them, going, I can't believe they're doing that. It's like looking at somebody from Italy surprised that they speak Italian. Of course they're sinning. Well, I think they ought to know better than to do that. The Bible says you can't even see the kingdom of God until you're born again. You say, well, how can I put that in simple terms? They don't know what they're doing. Sound familiar? Father, forgive them. 
They don't know what they are doing. They don't know. They don't know that this is hurting your heart. They don't know that this is affecting their destiny. They don't know. So Nicodemus, what's crazy about this is Nicodemus, he's a ruler of the Jews. So he knows the Bible up to that point. So the Bible up to the New Testament had pretty well already played out. And he knew it backwards and forwards. But what religious people do is they want to split hairs and iotas. Oh, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait. So he comes to Jesus and he's like, listen, I know God's with you. And Jesus said to him, you got to be born again. And immediately he starts asking very hair splitting questions. How can a man be born again whenever he is old? How can he, how can he uh, go back into his mother's womb? Because religion wants to explain every single thing. And faith says, I can't see it all, but I love him anyway. See, it requires a new birth. My children love me. And I, I, don't, I don't mean that in any other way. They really love me. When I walk in the room, it's like a parade of hugs. When I walk in the room, there's a celebration. Can I tell you how that started? Before they could walk, I celebrated when they came in the room. Now all of a sudden, I'm reaping what I sowed for years. In other words, God is constantly from heaven with a megaphone. Sometimes it sounds like a worship song that you don't know why it's making you feel emotional. Sometimes it's a preacher on a Sunday or a Wednesday that's standing flat-footed and saying, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And something on the inside of you is, is moving around and you can't really put your fingers on it. You can't really put your finger on it. And then, then other times, it's somebody just at the right time saying, God bless you. Or it's somebody saying, hey, can I pray for you? Or it's that person calling you right at that right moment when you, you, were, you were fixing to end it all and they called you and said, man, I just had you on my heart. Or that email or that text message or whatever it was. See, what happens is, God is constantly blasting at you how much he cares for you. But until you are born again, it's very difficult to hear. It's very difficult to understand. Nicodemus knew the word probably better than Peter and John. Knew the word probably better than Philip and Andrew. And Jesus is having a conversation with him in the middle of the night when he says, I don't understand. What do you mean? What do you mean born again? How can this happen? And Jesus said to him, he said, he said that which is born of flesh is flesh. In other words, sin or sin. I can't work with that. There has to be a new birth. But then he says something beautiful. He said, marvel not. Don't be amazed. Don't get hung up on the idea that you must be born again. Religion just wants you to get hung up on one thing and one thing alone. Once you get hung up on one little deal. Well, in one, in one scripture that it takes a microscope and a flashlight to find, they did this. So now we're going to build our entire life on this one little thing. When Jesus is sitting there saying, no, 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 that's not the way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And constantly, forever and always, religion is wanting to find one thing that tries to... Let me tell you what religion does. Religion tries to make everybody believe we're right, whoever we are. 
Religion tries to make everybody believe we're right. And before you know it, religion will develop a form of godliness. Here's the model that you have to be, be this, be that. And you will lose a massive amount of people that would fall madly in love with Jesus if you would just present Christ. If you would just tell them how much, but at the end of it all, just because we have to be born again does not mean we do not have to be converted after. See, we change from one thing to the other, but then we're constantly being converted. We're changing. Hey, our Sunday mornings don't look the same. Before you came to Jesus, it might've looked like waffles at 1030. Maybe you used to go eat Chick-fil-A on Sunday. Only way you eat Chick-fil-A on Sunday is in a microwave. But your Sunday looks different. Your, your, your morning might look different. Your, your, your reading material should look different. If we read the Bible, listen to this. If we read the Bible, 1% as much as society read social media, the nation would be engulfed in flames of revival. 1%. 1%. When I, when I start getting out of my rhythm, I set reminders on my phone. Read your Bible right now. Okay, boom. Because when you, when you get the word in you, the, compro- the process of conversion is continuing. Be ye transformed... By the renewing of your mind, the Bible says. So, the Bible says he's there. He says, I don't want you to get hung up on this concept of being born again. Verse 8. And this is really where I wanted to get. And we're about to close. The wind blows where it lists or where it, where it wants to or where it will. And you hear the sound. But you can't tell where it comes from. And, whether, and where it goes. This is so beautiful. This is how everybody is that's born again. So is everyone that's born of the Spirit. In other words, you can't see the wind. You can't tell how it, how it started blowing. You can't tell where it stops. You can't tell what, what even really told it to blow, how it blew, nothing. But what you can see without any question is the effect of the wind. You see the leaf trickling across the driveway. You see the limbs shaking, the flags flapping. You see your kids holding the kite and watching it just almost miraculously hover in the air by this power that can't be seen. This is what happens when you're born again. You still have the same clothes. You still... Unless something really changes, you look the same in the mirror. But everybody can see the effect of what has happened to you. So you can't see the wind, but you can see what it does. You can't see when somebody's born again, but you can see the effect that they begin to have and that God has had on them. See, it's a shift and it requires conversion. 
He said, don't marvel. Don't get hung up on this idea. In other words, he said this, Nicodemus, you'll see it. No, no, no. How, well, but born again, how can this happen? And it's almost like Jesus could have gone like this. He could have gone, hey, so you've heard of Peter, right? And, and Nicodemus is like, oh, you're talking about old lying, fussing, fighting Peter. Because Peter had a little bit of a reputation. And so did everybody from where, from where Peter was from. And Jesus could have said, hang on just one second, Nicodemus. Peter, come here. Peter, look, it's Nicodemus. Hey, Mr. Nicodemus, how are you doing? I'm pretty good. How are you doing, Peter? Oh, that's, I'm doing pretty good. Well, what are you doing with your life now? Oh, I follow Jesus. Wait, 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 wait a minute. You still smell like a fish, Peter. You still look like a fisherman. And I, I recognize you, but I don't recognize you. See, Jesus takes and changes us how we, in ways that cannot be seen, but you can see the effect of the change. How many of you here, honestly, you're nicer now than you were before Jesus? Just wave at me. Everybody else is just dishonest, I guess. <laughs> but look, here, here, here's the beauty of our God. Jesus continues to explain and he goes on and he says, he goes, he goes, listen, don't hang up on this, on the concept of being born again. Don't, don't get hung up on this one ideology or this one thought. He said, do you remember Moses in the wilderness and how the serpent was put on a staff? And when everybody looked at the serpent, healing came, he said, so shall the son of man be. I want to make sure we're drawing a real strong contrast here because in other contexts, in other conversations, in other messages, Jesus would not reference any of the Old Testament sometimes. It just depends on who he was talking to. Some people had no clue who Moses was. Some people might have heard Moses' name, but that would have been the extent of it. And he would say something like this. He'd be like, if you guys want to understand how powerful faith is, look at a mustard seed. But now he's talking to somebody who understands the Bible up to the New Testament very, very well. He just doesn't have ears to hear. Because until you're born again, until you're born again, you can't even understand the kingdom. So now he's talking to him and he says to him, he goes, he goes, listen, don't marvel at this. Don't, don't get hung up on this born again thing. He said, effectively, that's what religion does. It tries to split hair so there's no hair left. He said, he said, stop trying to, to understand this little small part. He said, think about Moses. You remember that staff? Remember that? What happened? And he goes on and then he says something. And this is so beautiful. Lock him on me for 30 seconds. This is so beautiful. He said, listen, God so loves the world that he gave his only begotten son that anybody that would believe on him wouldn't perish. They wouldn't die, but they would actually have everlasting life. Probably the most influential scripture 
in today, in today's society, John 3.16. He was talking to Nicodemus at night when he said it. He wasn't blasting it out off the Sermon on the Mount. He wasn't standing in the marketplace. It was one-on-one with a man who understood religion but was missing the love factor. But I think, personally, it's one of the most beautiful pictures because we're watching Nicodemus convert. Nicodemus is sitting there and he didn't ask the question, well, how can a man be born again? Can he go back in his mother's womb? Because he didn't want to know. He was really trying to engage with that thing that pulled him to Jesus in the middle of the night. You never know where somebody is. You never know where they are with Christ. I've seen the people that you would never think would ever come around, come around. And most of the time, it's in the midnight hour. And most of the time, it's not because somebody did some kind of religious chess game with them and put them in checkmate. Yeah, but the Hebrew this, the Greek that, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Jesus could have smoked him philosophically. But instead, he goes, he goes don't marvel at that. Don't get hung up on that. What you have to understand, Nicodemus, is... He so loves the world that he sent me to come and pour myself out. And what's crazy about this is Nicodemus met him at night. And then the Bible says when Jesus was crucified, two men are mentioned that came and took his body. A guy named Joseph, not his daddy, a different one. A guy named Joseph and Nicodemus. They came and they said, let us have that man. We want his body. And the Bible says, listen to this. Nicodemus brought a hundred pounds of myrrh and aloes and spices to anoint Jesus' body and to prepare him for burial. He helped Joseph of Arimathea place him in Joseph's tomb. Because when you start to actually understand love, now you realize he was there for me in the dark. And when it looks dark for him, I'm going to be there for him. I don't know if it's ever looked darker from a standpoint of the body of Christ being attacked for being the body of Christ. It's not everywhere. There are other, uh, other countries I go to and Jesus is still just celebrated. But for whatever reason, we're living in dark days where people want to take God out of every public square and every conversation and rip him out of every deal. They want to take and lay uh, whom God loves very much babies on the altar of uh, uh, personal preference and I don't want my life to be interrupted so I'm going to take this other life. And most of the time when, when it's happening, it's because somebody doesn't fully understand what's happening 
because of how dark days because of how dark the days are we're living in where that which is right is called wrong and that which is wrong is called right but when Jesus meets you in the darkest moment of your life and instead of ridiculing you and trying to put you in some kind of political, philosophical or religious checkmate, he just says the one thing that every person on the planet benefits from hearing, you don't understand, I love you more than you could imagine. And that's the fuel that causes conversion to take place and then you actually become born again and once you're born again, now everything starts to make sense that didn't make sense. Why in the world would you get up and go two hours uh, once or twice a week to a building with a bunch of people you don't even know everybody? Why would you all sing songs, look forward like there's somebody fixing a walk through the back wall or something? Why would, why would you do that? Before you're born again, you're like, man, that doesn't make any sense. You get born again and it's like, of course I'm going to church. Praise the Lord. Because now... Now, all of the sudden, you can see the kingdom. You can hear the voice of God. You can be changed. You can be converted. You can be molded. You can be shaped and you can be shifted. But it all hangs on love. All of it. Not a part of it. Not some of it. It all hangs on love. Which is why at our church... Our vision is super simple. If you know it, say it with me. We exist to love people and point them to Christ. What about the people that hurt us? Love them. Point them to Christ. What about the people that talk about us? Love them. Point them to Christ. What about the people that ignore us? Love them. Point them to Christ. What about the people that come and give their life to Jesus and cry and then we see them at the bar the next night at 2 o'clock in the morning? Why are you at the bar at 2 o'clock in the morning so you can see them? That was a trap. We're not pointing at what they're doing. We're pointing at Christ. Why? Because we are being converted. Why are we being converted? Because he so loves us. There is no stronger force than love. Love will make you do something that's completely out of your comfort zone. You said, would you ever swim across the the Mississippi River? No way. What if your kid was on the other side screaming, Mommy. You'd be Michael Phelps in it over there. Because love will drive you to things. That fear and religion could never motivate you at that level. Which is why when he said, Nicodemus, like you're, you have the rumblings of revival happening on the inside of you. That's why you met me here. But don't get hung up on these religious thoughts. Because at the end of the day, it all hangs on love. When you're converted, it's very interesting. There's a next step. Somebody say next step. When you're converted, your next step is to be water baptized. And simply put, water baptism is like being, you know, gently placed underwater and pulled back up. The Bible says that when you're baptized, that you are clothed in Christ. The Bible says you are buried with him in his death and raised to walk a new life. But I just want to be honest with you. In the natural, let me tell you what's going to happen in the natural. You're going to get wet. 
But just like you can't see the wind, you can only see the change it brings. When you get baptized, it may feel like you're just getting wet. But before you know it, you'll start seeing the change that being obedient to the word of God and being converted actually begins to make in your life. And before you know it, you'll be joining a life group. You'll be serving on the first touch team. Come on, you'll be, you'll be saying, well, tell me a little bit more about that kingdom builders. What is that? You'll be, you'll be telling your friends about Jesus. You'll be sitting in Subway praying over your foot long before you eat. Praise the Lord. You'll be, you'll be waking up at 6 o'clock in the morning and reading a couple chapters of your Bible before you go to work. You'll be, you'll be changing the, the channel and watching some of those preachers on, on TBN and, and Daystar and, and all that. He said, I don't know why. I just want to hear some preaching. Praise the Lord. That's because that new thing, the new creature that you are, gets fed by the word of God. And if you've never been baptized, I want you to know it's a great time to be converted at our church because next week we're going to be baptizing people. Come on, give God a hand of praise. You can stop by Guest Central right after service and get registered if you're not. But let's do this. Let's all stand to our, to our feet. I'm done teaching. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there are a couple of things that I'd love for you to do. Number one, subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episodes will always be in your feed waiting for you, ready when you are. And secondly, follow us on social media. That is the best way to stay up to date on everything happening at New Heights. We look forward to you joining us next time on the New Heights podcast. And if you are ever in the Bryan College Station area, we invite you to come out to New Heights Church for a live service. I promise we'll make you feel right at home.